Welcome to the City Life Family Podcast, a podcast for ministry leaders, young and old. Our aim is to equip ministry workers uh, along the way and encourage them for the work of ministry. We are with my friend, uh, Trevor. We got Jared, co-host, as always, from Providence. What's up? Good to be here. Let's go. And then we've got Trevor. Trevor serves as our City Light uh, City Group's director here in Omaha, and so uh, does a great job at our West location. So, Trevor, introduce a little bit of yourself. How'd you get here? Why? why yeah, all the things. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on the show. It's an honor to be here with you guys. A ton of fun. Listen to the podcast all the time, yes. and such a privilege to finally be on it. Does it uh, feel like you're sitting with celebrities? Is that oh what you're my saying? Gosh, it no. does. Oh yeah. My Every God. time I listen to the podcast, I'm like, man, I wish I could be cool like those guys. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but awesome. I'm the City Group's director at City Light West, and I've been in my role for about a year. But City Groups have really been my life ever yeah. since I was 18, 17, really. I became a Christian through what was basically a City Group. Mm, a family cool. opened their home to the Miller North football team when I was a junior, had dinner and Bible study every week. And through that, the Lord just took hold of me, transformed wow. me, and uh, changed me. And then That's when amazing. I was in college, I got involved in a church plant. And me and my roommate started the first small group. So uh-huh. I've been doing this since I was 17 years old. It has been tremendously impactful for my life. And I just see the power it has in the lives of other people, too. Yeah. That's awesome. So one of the reasons we wanted to uniquely invite you, Trevor, uh, to have this conversation, the conversation we're going to have today is really talking about hard conversations. Mm-hmm. Why do we have to have them in the context of ministry and relationship and family and friends? And, um, and so why are they important and how do we have them? And uh, one of the reasons we wanted to have Trevor here is uh, he's, uh, first of all, just a great learner. Like if you get around Trevor, he reads things, he studies, he knows his Bible, he's thoughtful, he's a great communicator, uh, but he's also constantly equipping leaders who are in the context of real community with real people who probably vote differently and might have different opinions on things. And uh, people are in various phases of their sanctification, and he's trying to instruct really pure-hearted, awesome city group leader saying, I feel like they, we, we can't just ignore this. We've got to have a conversation. How do we do it? Uh, how do I not come across awkwardly? So why do you think this is such an important conversation, Trevor, to, to be having, especially with this audience that is a lot of ministry leaders and laborers across the City Light family? Uh, these are interns. These are elders. And uh, why do you think this is an important conversation to be having with them? Yeah, I think it's important for a number of reasons. One reason is because I think that they're unavoidable. Yeah, Life is filled with conflict. Life is filled with hard conversations. Life is filled with uncomfortable and awkward moments. And if we run away from them, we're going to find ourselves very isolated and very alone because in every relationship, in every context, every organization, every group, you're going to have a moment where a hard conversation needs to happen. And if you don't deal with it, you're going to become really unhealthy and your organization is going to become really unhealthy as well. People get toxic, people get dramatic, people start talking about each other. Mm, Um, So if you don't deal with the hard conversations, it just spills into every other area of life and ministry as well. I think it's also really important because... Uh, hard conversations is where real discipleship happens. I think we have this temptation to believe that hard conversations are a distraction from discipleship. Like, oh, if I get into that conversation with that person, it's going to take me away from the real work of ministry. I just say, this is the real work of ministry, right? We're sinners, and when we get bumped and we get into conflict and there's tension, what's on the inside gets pushed to the outside. And so I think Mm. hard conversations are just the perfect opportunity to have the kind of discipleship conversations that we all want to have, but uh, are sometimes hard to get to. 
until it starts bubbling to the surface. Yeah. And just to make sure this conversation doesn't seem like a leadership organization coaching podcast, like one of the dysfunctions of teams, right? If you had to study unhealthy teams within any organization would be a lack of accountability and hard conversations. They shy away. We only talk about what's good and go, we avoid the hard stuff and the dysfunction. That's not going to lead to health. But we're actually having a biblical conversation for the flourishing of God's people. I want to read a couple instructions, just biblically, why are we having it? And then I want to ask you to to share a a, maybe a moment or a story where somebody did have a hard conversation with you, but it actually led to your own sanctification and growth. So here's real quick instructions from God's word. Uh, Galatians chapter three says this, pay pay attention, uh, or no, sorry, dear brothers or brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That's a key word, okay? Keep watch on yourself, lest you to be tempted. Then in Ephesians, he says this, take no part uh, in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, okay? So again, the instruction is, if you see people in sin, it's on you not to ignore and let mm-hmm. them to go off the rails. Sometimes people have blind spots. Some people are ignoring the spirit of God. It is a tremendous grace to have brothers and sisters in your life that love you enough to approach you in a posture of gentleness to say, hey, let me warn you, this is not going to lead to life and flourishing and godliness and holiness and blessing. This is going to produce less death in your life. And so um, that's a gift. We can be those people that can say, I think you've stepped over this line. Um, Let me help woo you back uh, into the fold here. So all that to say is, have you had a, a big brother, big sister, somebody in your life that's come to you? and called out something in your life, and uh, it's actually been a blessing. Yeah, I I have one thing. Uh, When you asked me that question initially, uh, one situation came right to mind, and it was from a woman in our church who's about 20 years older than me, and uh, such a kind, uh, sweet woman, and she asked if she could talk to me sometime. And so she came to my office, and she said, I don't usually do this, uh, and I don't usually do this with anyone except for my own family, but I love you like family. And so I'm going to go ahead and, and do this, even though it makes me uncomfortable. And she proceeded to tell me from some notes that she had created about how um, one of my tendencies, uh, bad tendencies of um, not following through or not responding to people when they're waiting for, like, like when I'm, uh, when I don't return emails or I tell people yes. I'm going to do something and I don't do it when I don't return text messages and you, w- and in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I'm just busy. It's not really a big deal. But she proceeded to say, Hey, I have, you know, whether it's, I have friends, um, and other people who are actually getting hurt by being in our church because you are not actually caring for them and loving loving them yeah, by yeah. doing that. And it seemed like such a flippant thing to me. It's like, eh, people can give me grace. I just am kind of, you know, absent-minded sometimes. But she said, hey, I love you. I love them. I want them to feel loved by you. You're a pastor and that's a big deal. And so I want you to do that. And I'm like, wow. And, and it was with such gentleness and love that I was like, this is something that I actually can like. grow in. Yeah, 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 totally. Preach, that's a great example, Trev. Yeah. Uh, my mind immediately goes to when I was in college. Mm. I was probably 18, 19 years old. There was a pastor from another town driving to my church community trying to start a church, and he started with a little Bible study with me and a bunch of football players and a couple of other people. And uh, I was just like 
on fire for the Lord. I'd become a Christian shortly before college, was really introduced to like the spiritual disciplines and the church community, all those things in a real way as a freshman at Northwest Missouri State. And uh, I was just eager. I was hungry. I was ambitious. I was full of energy. I was always the person who was ready to go after things. Uh, But I was also kind of obnoxious, really self-absorbed and kind of rude. And uh, after being with this pastor for about a year or so, he came to me, he pulled me aside one day, I think over coffee or lunch, and he said, hey, man, like, love that you're in our Bible study. I think you got potential when it comes to ministry, but you can be really domineering and kind of harsh towards people. And there's people walking away from our time together who don't want to come back. Um, And then he just graciously invited me to see the steps I could take to grow. Wow. And he was really gracious, but very clear. And also didn't just like, he didn't try to put me down. He called me into something more. Mm. Yeah, absolutely love that, man. What a gift. I love that people have the boldness and the courage. Those are hard conversations. Nobody's probably driving into the church to sit down with their pastor thinking, I really cannot wait. This is the best <laughs> thing I can do with my afternoon, right? Oh. But they, she did that because she loved you yeah. and she loved yeah. your church. And I think about uh, the older man in your life that had the same conversation saying, yeah. you've got a ton of potential. You're never going to reach it if you undercut it with a domineering, prideful spirit. Mm. Uh, I bet, yeah. So that was super loving. Um, maybe another question would be this, like, uh, how have you guys had to have those? Do you have any examples of having to have those conversations? And what have you had to do in your heart to prepare for those kind of conversations? Like just, we have those conversations. And one thing I just want to real quickly pivot and do is like, these conversations are biblical. Like if you read the New Testament, like Paul writes to the church and he's always writing this mix of like encouragement. Hey, here's what you're doing well. Here's how I've heard about your faith. Here's the doctrine that's been laid also repent there's areas that are not aligned with the gospel right and you're why have you departed from the gospel why is this man in your church sleeping with his mother-in-law like he's having to call out people and ask them to repent publicly i even think about the interaction between peter and paul and peter really wasn't acting in step with the gospel and he was acting one way around the jews and the gentiles and paul lovingly has a really hard but necessary conversation with him about his behavior he says you are not living in line with the gospel, you're out of step with it. And so all that to say is like, just so you know, if you look at Jesus and the disciples, there's a lot of hard conversations. Yep, totally. Uh, if you look at the New Testament, Paul and the elders in those early churches had to have hard corrective conversations, both in doctrine and behavior. And so guess what? In the life of ministry, mm-hmm. if you're listening, is this is you, prepare. It's not just preaching from a pulpit. It's not just email. It is having hard conversations with men and women in the life of your church. Some are going to be older. Some are going to be younger. Some are going to have more money. Some are going to have less. Some are going to be intimidating. Some are going to be humble. It's going to be so, but that's just the work of getting in people's lives. Mm. And so um, have you guys recently had to have any of those conversations? Or are you preparing to have some of those conversations? <laughs> I try to forget about that. By the way, Trevor, I'm curious we're bringing you in. Are you naturally a conflict avoider or are you like a, do you run at it? I run at conflict. Okay. Okay. I'm an avoider through and through, but anyway, so yes, I, so here's the, the, uh, a, I mean, a handful of examples that I feel like I've had to have the same conversation several times. And that is, um, so I meet, you know, with a decent number of couples in our church who are going through really hard times and without going into too many details, there are, let's say, you know, dudes who have like either used words inappropriately, you know, just 
harsh words or, you know, sexual sin or something. And now they're in a place, this couple's in a place where they're kind of reeling and the husband is in a tough place. The wife is hurt. And we're trying to like bring this thing back together and reconcile and mend. The hard thing in that is, so, so the hard conversation in that is still reminding these men that they have to not, you know, play play the victim of their wife's coming back at them, but the fact that their sin in these situations has initiated. So, hey, I just need you to remember, like your wife wasn't created to live under that sin that that you inflicted on her and the broken trust that came from that, and that initiated with you. Yep. Like, I love you. This is hard. You acknowledge how hard it is, but at the same time, you're saying, Let's just remember where this started. There's grace for that. There's forgiveness for that. But I need you to know as you do that, if you continue to do that, it's creating this wreckage and there's a responsibility that you have to take for that. And so I feel like that's been like a on repeat conversation that has had to come up multiple times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that that's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, it premarital. This happens oh. all the time. People come, hey, would you marry me? And they corner you after church and you're like, oh my gosh, there's so many things I need to ask before I say yes to that question. Yep. And you sit down, you do premarital and you come to find out, man, they're, they're just not living in a biblical, healthy, godly way. Yeah. They're um, sinning sexually. They don't, you know, there's a lot that you say, hey, gently. Just understand there's grace, but yeah. we cannot stay where we are, yeah. okay? Yeah. So uh, we need to repent. We need to pursue purity. That might mean moving out. Whatever that looks like, we want to pursue God's best right now. So that's another place where you get these people really excited about the wedding day. They're probably not sitting down. They're looking to you more as an officiant of uh-huh. a wedding ceremony, not uh-huh. as a pastor, and I make that very clear. So a lot of times you have to have those hard conversations. In marriage, obviously, we get down the road. It's a, it's a clear place of saying, mm-hmm. you've got to not hold on to bitterness. You've got to forgive. I've yeah. seen that just wrap people yeah. up. Oh, man, it, there's a lot of these yeah. conversations. Additionally, financial stewardship is a big one. I feel like you get into membership meetings and you see, hey, you, we say that we, we treasure Jesus, but that's just not reflective on any area of your financial giving. Help me understand that. Mm-hmm. Why are we living with greed and tightness and are we being shaped by the world's norms or the kingdom of God? And so, man, these are conversations that I think are so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so grateful that people have had those with me over time, but now to have to have them, it's a real thing. So, Trevor, mm-hmm. what about you? Have you been preparing or had to have some of those conversations as well? Yeah, I've had a number of hard conversations recently. Some of them are still in process, so I'm not entirely sure how they're going to turn out. Um, <laughs> yes. But Feel free mo- to not mention names. Yes. Right. Yes. I, most of the conversations I feel like I have that are hard conversations are related to politics, where people mm, politicize oh, yeah. the scriptures to the point where it kind of creates division, particularly in a yeah. city group context, or, or people who get their feelings hurt from something someone else said or did. Um, that requires them to be able to uh, resolve that conflict, to work yeah. through that a little bit. Uh, my, f- my favorite one perhaps probably came from when I was in college. I had started a ministry to my college football team. There were just three of us to start with, and by God's grace it grew, and we started seeing people converted and started training up other guys to help me with this ministry, doing post-practice devotionals and pregame chapels and team Bible studies and that kind of stuff. And there's a guy who was recently converted, brand new Christian, had very little understanding of the scriptures or the Christian life. And uh, I'd start letting him do devotionals in chapels. And he comes to me and says, hey, man, I got engaged. Mm. And my girlfriend and I just moved in together. (laughs) And I just have this moment where like, oh, no, I can't just let that go. I have to have a conversation with that. So I took him out to lunch and 
I just had to say, man, I love you. I want to see you in ministry. I want to give you opportunities. But do you realize that you're you're living in sin if you're yes. living with and sleeping with your fiance? And uh, it was one of those conversations where was like, dude, this guy's either going to become a rock star in this mm, ministry yeah, or he's yeah. walking away from yeah. Jesus. Yes. And it felt really fragile and really mm. tense. But um, it was a conversation I just had to have yeah. in order to yeah. uh, to love him well and to help yeah. him grow. Yeah. One of my heroes is obviously Jesus. I love the scriptures, but Jesus seems to handle this so well. And one of the, the pictures that come to mind is like the woman caught in, ad- caught in adultery, right? Like, what do you do there? Everybody's grabbing their stones. Mm. He kind of silences the crowd and says, you guys can throw the stone if you haven't sinned. And everybody's like, ah, guilty. I can't yeah. throw the stone. But then his interaction with her is so tender, right? Like, there's two ways to miss here. It's just to dismiss the the sin and just say, go, right? Um the other would just be to just reap on condemnation and give her instructions to try harder. He doesn't do that either. It's very balanced. He says, listen, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more, mm-hmm. right? So there's this grace and this gospel for her and this truth and call to repent and change directions. And and so that's anyways, good. that's just a great way. How do we have this conversation? So maybe I want to ask right now, like the conversation I want to have is like put yourself in the posture of like somebody in your city group, somebody in your men's Bible study or women's Bible study, whatever context of your ministry is, um, is is you see that they're not aligned their lives with scripture and um and the spirit of god is prompting you to say something um how do you have that conversation trevor can you just give us some basic handles for what should happen in our heads our prayer life setting conversation what do you where do you even start yeah that's a great question i think in every hard conversation i have to start with me yeah. mm-hmm. um in two ways one is I have to make sure I'm going into that hard conversation out of love for the other person and their well-being. Not because I have an axe to grind, not because I want to make myself feel better, not because I want to unleash my frustration, not because I just want to control the situation, but because I actually care about that person's Mm well-being. If I go in with any other motive, that conversation is, one, going to be way harder than it needs to be, and two, it's not going to be very fruitful or effective. So just checking my own heart to ask, is there any unforgiveness in me? Is there any bitterness I need to work through? Anything I need to repent of or ways I'm coming into this conversation carrying something that's just not going to be helpful? Uh, The other reason I need to start with me is I think I'm prone to do one of two things in a hard conversation. One is either justify myself or look to that other person to justify me, mm-hmm. to somehow prove that I'm right, I have the answers, I'm the one who can help, or uh, I'm the one who has the the correct next step, or I kind of like get a little bit timid at times, and I'm looking to that person and see like, hey, are you okay with what I'm saying? Do you agree with what I'm saying? Are you on board with this, or do I need to soften what I'm doing a little bit? But just to get to a place where I say, I am justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I don't have to prove myself, and I don't need any validation from the other person. I am free to pursue this conversation solely right. out of love for them. Yeah. I think that's where I start. Yeah, that's a Dude. that's a great word, and I think instruction you know instruction on scripture is very similar to that. It's like we we oftentimes want to run and take the little speck out of someone else's eye, and we haven't even paid attention to the massive log in our. So I love that you're saying, hey. Let me check my own heart. Am I just annoyed by their sin? Is their sin making this group uncomfortable? And so I just am really ready to, you know, break them. Um, or do I want to see loving sanctification and Christ likeness happen in their life? So, uh, and be an instrument of that grace. So, what about you, Jared? Any other ag- additional handles you want to land on? Uh, well, I want to hear more from Trevor. He was, he was rolling there for no. a second. But I, here, yeah. here is one thing though. When when I move from myself of kind of examining my own heart, 
I, uh, one of the, I can't remember who challenged me to do this, but was when I start thinking about the other person before that conversation, spend some time thinking on, meditating on how God sees that person. There's a sense of like, because I'm a conflict avoider. And so for me to get like, I'll try to avoid it, but sometimes if I get ramped up enough, you know, like you're saying, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go at yeah. this thing, right? Because I just flip or whatever. Well, there's something unique that happens when you force yourself to see that other person through the eyes of God, and then you see, oh, his tender love for them, oh, his heart to see them grow. The fact that he just loves them, you know, and there's it does something, it forces your mind into a place that our natural flesh doesn't want to go. And so I think that's something, uh, yeah, something helpful. I mean, I've got other thoughts, but yeah. I do. A couple of thoughts I, I want to say is one, I just, anytime I start those conversations, I think about how do people grow? You know, it's like a simple formula, but grace and truth over time, Jesus came in grace and truth. Mm-hmm. And I think, I hope that people experience us full of grace, but also full of truth. Yeah. And, um, but I usually like to start those conversations. First of all, I pursue them. And I let them know I want to have the conver- I want to yeah. have a conversation that might be somewhat uncomfortable, but the intent of the conversation is we want to talk about this thing. And then I really try to think of the setting that's not going to be embarrassing. So if somebody mm, might be crying, good. I don't want to go out to a restaurant. If um, you know, I just try to figure out what's the right place to have that conversation. Maybe it's a church office or somewhere that is less visible. Um, and then I always start the conversation with affirmation. Like, just know that I love you. Like, I love you. And there's so many things I love about you. And um, so this might be uncomfortable, hard, but I promise you my heart is here because I really want to see you grow and mature into all that Christ has for you. And then you step into the, hey, here's here's a couple examples of what I've seen um, in a pattern. So if it's one time, I don't know if it warrants this sit down serious obviously if it, the sin is pretty gross or grotesque or you know you have an adultery that's that's a big deal but yeah. they swore one time at city group i don't know if i'm sitting down at coffee over that <laughs> one thing but but you know what i mean if there's a pattern of um that then it starts to become maybe we need to have a conversation so the final thing is like just the word of god is authoritative so i just want to read this because it the the bible is so helpful and i actually think that like we try to like talk and reason with people instead of actually letting the word of God be the rebuker and corrector. So it says all scriptures got as breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproofing, for correction, and for training in righteousness, uh, that the man of God may be complete, complete and equipped in every good work. But that idea of like correction and reproof, like that happens through the word. And so I, I always try to say like, this is not my version of Christianity. Like, me and you are under the authority of this book. And so whatever this book says, like, we are called to go and do mm-hmm. and live and repent. And so that that doesn't make a sense. It's like I have to live my life underneath the same authority mm-hmm. of Scripture, and I'm inviting you to do the same. Does it make a sense? So those are a couple handles. Any other – I just want to just open it up because, believe me, people are – they're in this. And I think even of spouses that are – how do I have a conversation with my spouse? <laughs> That's hard. How do I have a conversation with my teenager? That's hard. How do I have a – my intern, or um, maybe even somebody I work with at, at a church context. These are conversations that need to be had. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, a couple things, uh, because I'm the resident conflict avoider, probably yeah. more than the two of you guys. <clears throat> but a couple things is, you like, you actually have to do it. Like, yeah. if you're a conflict avoider, I just want to say, and you're listening, I'm like, just 
you have to have conversations yeah. and the way that you will be able to do it in the future is by starting it now. And the way that you'll actually be, get to be like proficient or loving or loving and gentle and truthful all together in one is by just actually doing it and pursuing it. And so that's been one of my journeys. You know, you get forced into a leadership position and then you just kind of have to do it. Yeah. And and so, yeah, I, I, I know that's like the simplest thing ever. But but practice, man. And there is something good on the other side. For conflict avoiders, people with anxiety, you think you get this tunnel vision toward this conversation. You can't think of anything uh-huh. on the other side of it. You're freaking out. It's like the world is going to collapse when this conversation happens. And, uh, I mean, you just got to know, like, if God has given you conviction by his spirit, he's going to like, he's going to walk you in that. If the other person has the spirit of God in them, there's like good news on the other side of that. And so like, take comfort that God is bigger than your fears, your anxiety, just a a little thought to a couple, you know, conflict avoiders and people Uh, who are prone to anxiety like me. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Flip the script. Now I want to give you Trevor this. So imagine now somebody comes to you and they want to challenge you or rebuke you or call you out on your attitude or your posture or your professionalism, or it could be competency or character, whatever. And how do you prepare your heart to have those conversations in a Christ-like manner, right? Because we've got to be open to do both. We got to step into them, but we might also have to receive them at times. And so, uh, and then there's this dicey thing of like, Who do I receive? What do I receive? Mm. Sometimes people come at you with things that maybe are not biblically true. And so you have to test that in a certain way. So take me into that. How do you receive a rebuke? Can I just ask Trevor, like in your mind, what is your posture there? What are you having to believe in your head and your heart? And then you're walking away and processing. Same to you, Jared, in just a minute. Go ahead, Trev. Yeah, great question. I kind of feel like this is a hard conversation because I don't know that I'm great at that. So oh, right. yes, <laughs> this yes. feels a little hard All to talk about. It's on the table. It Remember, is a safe let, place. Let, let's confront. We want to confront let's, you right actually, now. Actually, we have a list. You have yeah, the document. Let's yeah, pull yeah. something out. Yeah, get that document out. No, no, don't. No, no, uh, not at all, but yes. But uh, no, I think I, would st- I start in the same place, just asking myself, hey, if this hard conversation is happening, what are the things I need to clear out of my own soul right now so that I don't try to get defensive or counterattack mm-hmm. a person, yep. really get to a place where knowing I'm justified in Christ and therefore I am free to accept responsibility for anything I've done wrong. And I'm able to change because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I think in the conversation itself, uh, just really giving people permission to speak freely without getting defensive. Yeah. Uh, for people who are stronger personalities who aren't afraid of conflict, yeah. sometimes that means like you just kind of uh, have some thick skin and allow them to speak freely, not like in a sinful way, but to be honest and straightforward with you. And sometimes when people who they're doing their best to have that conflict, but they're a conflict avoider and they know, uh, it's uncomfortable just giving them permission to say like, Hey, I'm not going to berate you. I'm not going to be mad at you. Actually, you're loving me right now. Please tell me what I need to hear. Sometimes I've gotten been in situations where I actually need to give people permission to just be honest with me. Uh, but then to thank people, because it takes a lot of courage to have a hard conversation, to just be thankful. Say, hey, I'm grateful for that. Receive it as best you can. At least process it. Think about it. And I find it really, really helpful to take that to people that I trust, who I know love me and care for me, who are also going to speak the truth, mm. and say, hey, this was brought to my attention. In what areas of my life do you see that? What change do you see in me? And kind of like confirm a little bit uh, what's been said and then get a little coaching on yes. what to do about it. Yeah. 
that that's a great one. But the defensiveness is huge, right? Like, Lord, gospel my heart. Like, right? Lord, be the shield about me, right? And just remember your identity as a, a love son. Because, man, those conversations go so wrong when you cannot accept. I loved how you said that. I can accept responsibility. Because if you're looking at yourself like, I got to keep my moral resume perfect. So that means I got to blame shift. I got to minimize. I got to make an excuse for. I got to disprove that this isn't really who I am. Man, there's just no posture of humility in receiving um, that. So that's huge. So what about you, Jared? Anything yeah, else? I, I don't have really anything to add, but I love the idea of, um, you know, it, this is helpful for when you're going to confront someone too, but just to like bring someone in who has trusted wise discernment, who knows you well. Um, and one of the things that you mentioned is that it, so there's one sense in which they can like validate something that someone else has said. There's another thing that um, when we're confronted with someone, a lot of us will go into a place of despair and we can even overown things. Like some of the criticisms coming toward us might not be like valid. And so they can actually like encourage us in the aftermath of that when you feel like, you know, you're this crushed thing that's laying on the ground now that has no confidence and no security or whatever. They can speak the gospel into you. So just, yeah, do it, do it around other people, you know, or not do it around other people, do it with other people in the aftermath of it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, well, just, I love the word Proverbs 27, five says better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Like biblically, if someone comes to you enough, say, Hey, this is how I'm receiving you and experiencing you, Mm -hmm. man, that's like a faithful friend. Does Mm -hmm. it make sense? And it's easy to flatter people and cheerlead them and clap them and just kind of let them continue in their sin to their own death and demise. Mm -hmm. But the scriptures would say, no, 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 like flattery is of no value, but a faithful friend that's going to come and deliver grace and truth, mm-hmm. that's a value. So uh, I will say this, that if you are in ministry, you will probably receive criticism and some of it will be 100% helpful to your own sanctification. Other parts, and we've talked about this off air, Trevor, is you've got to go to other people you love and respect and say, is this true of me or is this something that someone else just is projecting? And there's a humility that says, I want to receive as bad as it might be. I want to hear it. But sometimes people actually say things that just are not true of your character. Mm-hmm. And you have to be like, you have to be able to separate that. Does it make sense? And so I, I've tried to take super humble posture. I'm the chief sinner, right, in the room. That Paul is very clear that we never graduate from the place of like maybe our worst being seen. And I want to repent of that. And I want to be open to that. There's also the ways that people might take shots at you that are just not Mm. biblical and helpful or true. And you just have to say, that might be how you experience me. I don't think that's true of me. I've tried to confirm that with others and uh, that's where I'm landing. (laughs) So uh, those are difficult places, but that's kind of also there. Last thing I wanna just ask you guys is in scripture, like what happens when you've been sinned against, Trevor? Like, let's say someone has said something about you or something, uh, done something to you that's actually hurt you and how do you, what do you do there, right? Like what encouragement, people are sitting here, exactly what you're saying, maybe Jared didn't text you back and it's the 17th time he didn't text you back and you're getting frustrated and bitter and angry. Like what would you call people across the City Light family to do if they are finding themselves being sinned against and they're not just observing sin out there, they're in the place where they're like, okay, this person is actually sinning against me. Um, what do you do? I just want to ask that question. 
I thought Trevor was getting this question. No, I you guys, he, I yeah, Trevor, Tre- yeah, Trevor, yeah. you go, yeah, go ahead. What do you got? To- yeah, I think the the first thing to do is start vertically. Just yeah. recognize you need grace. Yeah, um, I think it's helpful to remember we can forgive. Yeah. because we have been forgiven. Yeah. yeah, and for me, you know, this is kind of live for me. I I in the last year have been through a situation yes. that was super difficult, a lot of conflict. Uh, it didn't get resolved. Yeah. It's still messy. It's yeah. still unresolved. It's still hanging out there with a lot of tension. And yeah. uh, just being able to remember like, you know what? Forgiveness doesn't require the other person to apologize. Yeah. Yes. I can forgive because That's I have true. been forgiven. But then I do think there is a necessary step of moving towards that person to have the conversation to acknowledge Uh, that what they said or did was hurtful and to ask them to take responsibility for that. Um, You don't always get them to do that. Uh, Sometimes they just refuse and that's messy and hard. But I think those are probably the two things is live in the forgiveness you have in Christ and move towards the person graciously, but honestly. Love. I absolutely love that tension. Anything you would add? No, he's got it. He's got it. He's got it. But I, you know, you think about again, the word that Jesus gives, and this is such a big deal because we live in a messy world, and people will sin against you, even the people you love. Does it make sense? Like, even even your spouse, they will sin against you at some point. And so there's no relationship on this side of eternity where you're not going to have to practice this. Um, but I love that Jesus gives instructions. Like, if you're at the temple and you're praying, like, leave what you're doing and go and tell them what how they've sinned against you. Yeah. Like, there should be a level of urgency um, to both go vertical and forgive because you have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. But also then now to actually have a conversation and pursue some level of reconciliation. And so um, now we get into complex church situations where if somebody's been sexually abused in the church, do you go to that person? If somebody's been sexually assaulted, uh, somebody's been in some ways really abused um, or oppressed, what is the right channels to go to? It might not be to the offender. It might be to some level of spiritual authority or to the police itself. So we're not just saying go to that one person. There's a lot of nuance that needs Mm -hmm. to be happening here with people who are suffering um, under really ungodly things. But but in general, if it's small, if it's the practice of saying, I've been sinned against, I'm not just going to bury this. I'm not just going to grow bitter. I'm not just going to ignore this. I'm going to actually, out of love for you, say, this isn't okay. Mm. So um, anyways, those are really great conversations. And I'm asking for grace. Um, man, this is one of those things. I'm with you probably more, Jared, on the spectrum of do I lean in? Do I people please? I would say I'm more of an avoider. I like to keep things joyful and fun. I like to have encouraging conversations that call people to, to next steps. Don't necessarily love to have these. Um, but man, God can really use these great conversations. And even as in this podcast, my mind is flooded with moments where God has used hard conversations for me and ones that I've spoken over others. And yeah. so, yeah. Anything you guys want to rip on before we land this thing? You know, uh, one thing just popped in my head as you were just talking right now about God like seeking people out is that that, that Matthew 18 passage when it yeah. says when your brother sins against you, then go, and then if he doesn't listen, then go. And a lot of times we talk about that in the context of church, church discipline, discipline yeah. but um, it's it's really written for everyone. But the one thing that I had to preach that passage a while back, maybe a year or two ago, but that passage follows when it talks about Jesus going after the lost sheep. Yeah. So it's this deal of how Jesus is going after to find these like 
these lost people and try to bring them back into the flock. And then it goes right into this idea of going in and getting your brother and bringing him back. And so there's this link in the context of the way that Jesus goes after people and brings them back is a lot of times by his people going after these people and bringing them back. And so know that if God is convicting your heart, that may be his plan A to help them live in holiness and sanctify their hearts. And so that's a that's a compelling reason yes. to go, yes. go have that conversation. So Yes. Yeah, and if you're listening, maybe one of the questions you can even think through, pray through, journal through is, who do I need to have a hard conversation with, right? Who sinned against me that I... I need to let them know that wasn't okay. That kind of hurt. And I would hope that they don't continue to do that Mm. to others. Uh, Others, maybe who's in your life that you see that they're compromising their lives in some ways. And you, you want to graciously, gently, lovingly speak grace and truth over that area of their life and call them to holiness and repentance. And so uh, that would be incredible step of faith. Anything else, T? Yeah. The one thing I would add to what Jared just said about maybe God wanting to resolve the conflict or reconcile a person through church members is just the good news that we've been reconciled. Mm. The hardest conversation, the worst conflict ever was the conflict we had between God because of our sin. And the way God dealt with it was he moved towards it in Jesus Christ, where Jesus took the condemnation that we deserve so that he could resolve the conflict between us and God. And I just want to encourage people, uh, I think we're afraid of hard conversations because a lot of times they come out of conflict or they lead to conflict. And so we want to back away from that. But uh, there's just good news in knowing that we can be reconcilers Mm. because we have been reconciled. That's That's our motivation. That's our power. Uh, In our weakness, that's our strength. Preach, 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 preach. Come on now. I think Paul wrote something about that in the book called Corinthians, but that's that's a word right there. Hey, thank you guys so much for joining us. Trevor, it's great to have you here. And honestly, thank you for all the ways that you love and serve our church and help serve the family of churches. It's a joy to see uh, God sustain you and grow your leadership. And I know we as big brothers are looking at you like really excited to see where does the Lord want to bless and sustain and move and use you in greater ways. So thanks so much, Trevor, for spending this time with us. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.